2: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from
3: iHeart Radio. We're nearing the end of our summer Staff Picks series. Over the last few weeks, you've heard from the staff as they showcase their favorite episodes from our archives. Now it's time to hear mine. I wanted to share with you an episode from one of the kindest people I've met in the making of this podcast, musician Gordon Lightfoot. My conversation with the Canadian singer-songwriter of the 1970s hits If You Could Read My Mind, Beautiful, Sundown, and The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald covers his beginnings in the industry, what changed in importance to him over time, and his battle with some serious health issues. Here's my 2016 conversation with Gordon Lightfoot.
4: Sometimes, I just don't know how you could be anything but beautiful.
3: Over the course of a career that has lasted more than 50 years, Canadian singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot has achieved global stardom and exceptional influence. Bob Dylan's a fan. About Lightfoot's songs, Dylan said, I can't think of any I don't like. These songs, which include Beautiful, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, If You Could Read My Mind, and many others, have been treasured by generations of popular musicians and listeners around the world. Many people know about the folk music revival that brought Bob Dylan to New York in the early 1960s. But north of the border, there was an equivalent explosion of talent at that time, and Lightfoot, who got his start singing in boys' choirs, Found himself heading to Canada's cultural capital to try his luck.
5: Well, I was down in the, in Toronto here looking for work, and I I got a job as a as a choral performer, in a, in a television series that was on every week, and uh, at the same time I, I branched out and began working in the uh, the, the, the folk uh, oriented places because the the folk revival had occurred uh, around about 1960, and. I, I would have been maybe 20, 20 years old, thereabouts, 21. And uh, so I'd be working on the TV show in the daytime and going out and working at the coffee houses at night.
3: No, You you had a period where you wrote jingles for commercials, correct? I tried to, to, do to, a to man- make a living.
5: Uh, I, they locked me in a room one time, a manager in a, in a place in, on Madison Avenue, and just left me there all afternoon. How'd and, that go? Well, I, I wrote the commercial, but they just. <laughs> They didn't like it.
3: They didn't like it. They, they didn't play your version of the commercial. But you didn't. You didn't. You weren't in New York for a long time, correct?
5: Well, I would go back and forth to New York all the time to because perform. My, my management company was in New York. I was one of the fortunate ones who was able to uh, acquire a management situation south of the border, so to speak, uh-huh. down in the states, and I was in New York, and uh, it was a great manager. Uh, he recognized my, my songwriting ability immediately, and uh, I got a couple of tunes recorded by Peter Paul and Mary, and one of them went up to number five on the, the Billboard one? chart for for loving me. Wow.
4: That's what you get for loving me. That's what you get for loving me. Everything had is gone. As you can see that's what you get for loving me I ain't the
5: and so I was introduced to the industry in the states really as a songwriter before they even knew that I sang, you know it was. It sort of happened uh, uh, on its own. Do you think the you would have been?
3: Do you think you would have been happy to just stay in that place and just produce records and, and and write music and was performing the goal all along? Did you want? Were you itching to do that?
5: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Uh, even as a child, I, you know, I didn't mind singing in my grandmother's house uh, on, on the Sunday get-togethers. You know, I, they would single me out and I would solo. Uh, I enjoyed the feel of. Uh, the, the communication that I and I, I could feel it then, and uh, th- that's what I feel now. I feel I feel a communication when I, I have a wonderful band and we have a great repertoire and we we just lay the stuff right out there for them. Just pure joy. Yeah, yeah, joy, joy doing that. Yeah, but when, when you were, particularly what? if it pays the bills. Well,
3: that's a <laughs> that's a
6: desirable <laughs> silver lining there, yeah, benefit Yeah, yeah. all uh, that
3: hard work. Well. But when you were writing, wouldn't you turn that corner and singing takes over, you know, I, I was doing a lot like like small time
5: stuff, and all of a sudden, I was uh, asked to come to New York and, and open for a Paul Butterfield concert, nineteen sixty six, thereabouts, mm-hmm. I suppose. Sixty six. Were you on
3: the radio then, recording?
5: No, we didn't actually get on the radio until about 1971.
3: And what was the first song that, I mean, I, I have a list here, but what was the first,
5: if you could read if, my mind? If you could read my mind.
4: You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost you can't see
5: The record was out, it was my first album on Warner Brothers. And uh, it it was out for eight months, and there was no single. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the promotion guys said to his girlfriend, will you listen to this and come back and give me an opinion on it? And Monday morning, uh, his girlfriend, she likes, if he could read my mind.
4: Where the heartaches come Because the just too
3: hard if you could read my mind, hits the charts, so to speak, and becomes a big hit for you, what changes for you? Like, did you have to sit there and say, oh, I, people are telling you to do things differently, and now you're going to be a success, and they want you to... We get so busy, we got to hire an aircraft. Literally.
5: That's what happened. Literally. We had to hire an aircraft. Everyone
3: wants to book you when you to fly. you'd get same place, two different places in one day. So, when you reach that point of the, and the, that turning point, is the is the next imperative? You got to start coming up with more songs and writing more yeah. songs. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah. They want you to and, record. Yeah, we made three more albums and nothing happened. But we, but I, but I kept doing one a year, and, and something I had to give eventually, and then. Uh, One summer I wrote that song, Sundown, and I knew that it was going to happen, that it was was the the right thing. And it did. It went went up to number one. That was our second one. Then it was almost two albums later that we had the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and uh, that happened all by itself, too. That that became a responsibility. Right. It, it it did a, a very large
3: responsibility. The song became it. a responsibility. Yeah, the record, well, well, the but, Fitzgerald. Well, but but tell me in your own words. Many people go on about that, about the tragedy and the history, and it's a very, you know, important song to people. You know, in Canadian history. People talk about it very reverentially. Why was it important to you? Uh, because it was. Only
5: one verse uh, uh, contained any conjecture of any kind, and the rest of it was taken from directly from newspaper articles in the, the aftermath, which only lasted for about three days. If I had not wrote that song, everybody would have forgotten about it a week after it happened. Uh, I said people are, are, are all around the Great Lakes area are going to wonder if the song is appropriate and, and some did wonder about it mm-hmm. whether it was appropriate for me to have uh, written a song of that kind but uh i had gone uh, uh, pretty much with the, the newspaper articles that i scraped up we had no cps in those days and uh, you, you went back to you went to the publisher and got the back copies of the newspapers mm-hmm. and uh so it's, it's accurate. It's, it's, it's accurate in the way the story un, unfolds. I remember the night I wrote it, I was working in, in a deserted house, and there was, there was a heck of a windstorm going on right in, in Toronto that night, and I, I remember myself wondering, gee, I wonder what it's like up the, on the Great Lakes right now, because I sailed up there myself. I had a couple of two different sailboats up there. And wondered always, I wonder what the Great Lakes are like tonight, because you're always hearing about about things happening up in the Great Lakes. And at 11 o'clock in the evening, there was a report of a ship sinking uh, three hours earlier in Lake Superior. And they were uh, out looking for the the people. And they never found any of them. And uh, 29 people gone. And I, I had a melody, and I had some chords. Uh, that I was knocking around in this deserted house with the wind howling outside my really it, it was, it was kind, of, kind of a classic setting to mm. to write a song like that so I began writing the song and finished writing it like two or three weeks later we were right in the middle of a recording a series of recording sessions at the time so we put it in and didn't work the first day We we put it in the second day and uh, did you ever hear Stomp and Tom Connors?
3: No. Oh, <laughs> I will now. I'm going to run out and get all of Stomp and he, Tom he was, Connors. He, he was recording. He was one of our very
5: famous Canadian folk artists. Stomp and Tom Connors uh, p- p- poked his head and said, "That sounds like a hit." He just heard the uh, uh, the melody going, like he hadn't heard the lyrics or anything. So the the appeal of the song is definitely in the melody and the chord changes. And then the, the story of the actual event itself I got as accurately as I could by pursuing old news articles.
4: The wind in the wires made a tattletale sound And the wave broke over the railing And every man knew as the captain did too T'was the witch of November come stealing The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing. When afternoon came, it was freezing rain in the face of a hurricane west wind.
3: We'll have more with Gordon Lightfoot after the break.
6: Come.
3: I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is Here's the Thing. I spoke with musician Gordon Lightfoot in 2016. I was curious how his musicianship had changed over time and what it was like for him recording and performing in the early days.
5: The, the first time I, I started doing it, I felt uh, under, like, not confident in what I was doing, what, what I was hearing. I didn't, uh, I didn't like what I was hearing.
3: Of your own stuff.
5: Yeah, I, I like the, the, sound, the, the sound of my voice bothered me. And, and you know, I've, I started working on that stuff, and, I, and I've been working on it ever since uh, on my vocal, and, I, and I've worked on my, my intonation on my instruments.
3: Someone told me that, that when you land, because you perform in so many different areas, you really dwell on tuning your instruments a lot. Correct.
5: Yeah, sometimes I chase it around too, but I, but but I've learned uh, through the years that there is a method that g- can get me into into Scarborough Fair country, you know, like the like the sound that Simon and Garfunkel used to get on their acoustic uh, uh, or, orchestral arrangements that they put together, right, for their songs, right. and, and uh, it actually only came it came real for me maybe six or seven years ago after I was recovering from a a mini-stroke that I had, and I had to practice a lot more all of a sudden. So it it really got me zeroing in on it, and it it, it all comes down
3: to the, the fifths and the octaves, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm just a handmaiden here. For all you guitar people out there, that's Gordon Lightfoot's gift to you and his present to you. It's right? the fifths <laughs> and the octaves. And I don't have one damn idea what it is. The, the fifths and the octaves. I don't know what yeah. the hell he's talking about, but there it is. There's his message to you today. Yeah, open. <laughs> McCartney told me when I spoke to him once, Paul told me that uh, he said in the beginning they would go into a recording studio the Beatles And he said, uh, you know, it was really—these weren't his words, but the message was kind of like, time is money. He said, these guys were like, you know, we want two songs in the morning, and then you go have a lunch break, and you go down to the pub, and you have a cigarette, and you have a fish and chips, or whatever. You come back, they want two songs in the (laughs) afternoon. They they, they really moved along at a clip when they were doing the first— albums uh, uh, for yeah. parlophone or whoever it was or emi yeah. and then when they became you know the success they obviously became then they would take a year you know all musicians are the same then they would take a year to do their next album you know they would do Sgt. peppers or whatever and really really uh, luxuriate and, and getting more every, time. They, yeah. they gave them more time because it was worth uh it was worth uh, that investment for them was the same true with you do you find that the more successful you became the more time you wanted to make music Perhaps later on, but I, I I pretty much stuck to the uh,
5: to the schedule as much as I could. We, uh-huh. we made like what, eight or nine albums in ten years there, so. Uh, you didn't feel
3: rushed uh, by them.
5: No, we we were getting more time. Right. But I, but I was also also improving because I what, what I didn't like hearing I was I was changing all the time, right. and I was always on, a, on an improvement venture like a guy building himself up and for to play on an important sports team, you know. They got it. It's just not just the game. It's the preparation. Say you haven't played for for a month and all of a sudden you got to get back up on stage, you should be able to crank it out just like it was just you did a show
3: last night. Right. But you liked rehearsing.
5: Yeah, well, you you well, believed yeah. in rehearsing. Yeah, or you're learning new material or you're going back into the uh, the old catalog, which we do because I have a, a rotational situation going on. My biggest
3: problem uh, my whole life has been too many tunes, too many women. For, for my listeners right now, Gordon Lightfoot is turning sheepishly toward his wife <laughs> with a sheepish grin on his face, and she just patted his shoulder to say, it's okay, Gordon. Well, I can't step on your toes, you know. Yeah, you can't do that. But but I remember reading, I remember listening to an article, <laughs> I remember reading an article that the Rolling Stones did uh, years ago, and, and I was t- taken by how, you know, in terms of musicianship, Jagger and Keith Richard were very, very married to rehearsal. And for you to say that, that has great meaning to me. For you, someone who's as great an artist as you are, the, you, the preparation and the preparation beforehand... So that when you, when the audience is there, boom! You strum that guitar, and you're you're ready. You're ready. Yeah,
5: and we, we and, and we have the uh, the orchestra itself. I have, have four really talented guys and very loyal
3: the, people. I, told, I read about that. Your band is very loyal and, to you.
5: Well, I mean, it's there, there's no reason why they, they
3: should, <laughs> should not be. I, you know, we, we're all we're all on the same
5: path. I mean, we. we we just want to do a great job, and, and you've you got to like make almost make a science out of it. I don't know. My guys are all professionals. I mean, they're, they're, they're serious musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they, they, they do other things. I, I, I just got to let them know
3: what, what's coming up, you know. What were you listening to back then in the 60s when you were coming up? Who, who did you listen to?
5: Well, I, I was listening to country music, you know, Hank Snow, and then and folk, it was Pete Seeger, and it was Bob Gibson, and it was Bob Dylan, and, and uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and, you know, Peter, Paul, and Marion and Ian and Sylvia. They were a duet, and they were, it was a beautiful act that they had. So, Eventually you met these people. Well, I, I met I my, you. Became my, one of them. My management company, because they were the first ever to do one, of, do any of my songs. It was Ian and Sylvia. Right, which one? For loving and me and early morning rain. Uh, I found an opening with the uh, the folk revival, you know. So I was lucky to be a part of that to ride that one through and survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's nothing much out there these days. Uh, you know they're, they're they're busking. We we've got a, a whole bunch of people here in Toronto who who are hovering around all the time. The folk-oriented artists, who are songwriters, and you know trying to get somewhere. And uh, some some of them uh, are succeeding, and some are not. I get to hear a lot of the stuff because it comes across my desk, and I I get to hear it. And uh, you wish, you know, that something grand could happen for these people, but you don't know what to do. All you can do is respond, right? Encourage. Yeah.
3: Where do you think people learn to hone their craft as a musician in in, in clubs and performing live? Well, I was, as well
5: as uh, I was working in bars too, you know, like bars and lounges, uh, as well as the coffee houses. and uh, so I, I had a. The, the kind of a a repertoire that was acceptable to plant bars, so i, I, I got a following in a couple of these bars mm-hmm. then then i I sort of moved uptown into the uh, uh, the village area, you know Yorkville, which was just coming into bloom here mm-hmm. in in town and get into places like uh, like the purple onion and then the riverboat, which was really the the plum of the whole lot was the riverboat because. Uh, uh, Bernie Feeder brought every person into that place you could possibly imagine. Played there, right from J- James Taylor to Joni Mitchell to to uh, Neil Young, right on down the line. Is he, is he
3: is he a friend of yours? Or is- yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, your songs and your singing of your songs, your performing of your songs, is so vulnerable and so emotional. What was the most difficult song for you to write, or among the most difficult songs for you to write? I
5: tell you that a lot of the times you don't know you're doing it. You, you 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 you're drawing the material from your your subconscious. You don't you don't actually know what you're doing. You you know you're drawing it from somewhere, and then later down the line, uh, three or four weeks later, you you can assign it back to uh, the, the actual event that brought it on. I mean that, that's. Like, if you if could read, my mind is, is about actually the, the, the crumbling of a relationship. Was that painful for you to write? No, because I didn't know what I was doing when I wrote it. <laughs> it just, it just it, I didn't you're realize. You're telling me how that all related. these beautiful so, I, folk
3: songs that people weep when they listen to, you're just like tossing it off, like, I don't really know what this is. Let's take a song, for example. Let me, let me pick one song. Now, one of my favorite songs of yours, I mean, a song that I just kills me, is beautiful describe to me recording the song Beautiful. I mean, do you go out with your friends and you get shit-faced drunk and you come in with a hangover and you just lay this thing down and you play poker all night? Or do you enter a state?
5: First, I get a chord progression. <laughs> uh, then I get a melody. <laughs> it's fifths and octaves, people. <laughs> it's fifths and octaves. Then I get the lyric. You got the melody, you got the chords, but you don't know. So you, you draw...
3: You find an idea that, that that fits the fits the melody. That's Gordon Lightfoot, the songwriter. Gordon Lightfoot, the singer, the performer. Do you enter a state? Do you take yourself to a place when you perform your recorded music, or you don't?
5: Well, I I can uh, I can use my imagination. Right. I <laughs> actually saw it as as a sin- sincere love tune to, to to a guy for his wife or his uh, his girlfriend it it reminds me when uh, of when I was I, I learned how to sing with emotion when I was about twelve when I was doing handling material from Handel's Messiah
3: it overtook you, know, the, voice,
5: you. the voice of him who cries in the wilderness and all that sort of thing and uh, i I learned what what emotion meant when when I sang... Handle. handles Messiah <laughs> at age 12. I sang in competition. Uh, so so I could apply, it was easier for me to apply the, to summon up that emotional uh, something or whatever it is when it came time to put that song down. But I, I, I didn't have it to the point at the beginning that I, I wanted to have it, and that's why I've been working on it all my life, is, is getting controlling that emotional approach to it. I mean, making it, it work for me. You don't want to overdo it, you know, you don't right. want to get happy. the well, That's what's
3: beautiful about your music yeah. is you go right up to a point. But you don't do a lot of hand holding. You let the audience do the crying for you. You know what I mean? You, you, well, you're
5: very... We we balance it
3: off with a lot of toe tappers. <laughs> we got, we got yeah, for a prime example of the delivery Gordon Lightfoot does so well, you don't have to look beyond this song, Sundown. I can see her lying back in her satin dress
4: In a room where you do what you don't confess Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping
3: around my backstairs. Coming up Lightfoot talks about some of his musical inspirations and explains why he and Bob Dylan didn't get along right away. Explore the Here's the Thing archives. I talk with a very different kind of songwriter, Tom York, from the British rock band Radiohead. He tells me how his producer gave him the confidence to explore wild new electronic sounds. I mean, I was, like, um... A kid being given a hammer. I was just hammering away on stuff. I didn't really know what I was doing. But he was kind of fascinated by that, you know, and he'd come and literally tidy up the mess (laughs) I had done on the computer.
0: Take a listen at heresthething.org. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of,
4: I'm telling you
3: that you're beautiful. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Gordon Lightfoot has straddled the worlds of pop and folk music for decades, but his confessional songwriting appealed to country music performers like Johnny Cash, Hank Williams Jr., and Glenn Campbell as well. They all covered his songs. And there's good reason. That's what Lightfoot was listening to when he started thinking about what kind of musician he wanted to be.
5: It was probably uh, country music. I made the crossover into adult contemporary music, you know, uh, fairly soon. Uh, and, and, and there was a lot of good writing going on in the folk revival, too, and I, got, uh, I, I was influenced by that.
3: So you didn't come into the music business and say, I want to be Sinatra, I want to be Elvis, I want to be Dylan. Well,
5: I think you wanted did, to find
3: your own voice.
5: Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I, I certainly did not uh, take lightly the fact that I that was really influenced by Bob Dylan because of the, not only the quality of the work, but the, the output that they, they achieved. Mm.
3: He was prolific.
5: Yeah, I, I, that, that was the, the amazing part about it. And it said, well, if it can be that easy for him, it must surely be be easier for me. I mean, if he can do this much work, surely I can, can do this much work. Mm-hmm. While well, appreciating the music that he was producing at the time. When did you first meet him? Uh, 1965. Mm-hmm. What in, was that like in, for you? In Woodstock well, it it was a uh, was an interesting time. i, I we actually didn't d- didn't get along when we when we first met. <laughs> he he, he, criti- he criticized my 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 rules at, at uh, playing Manhattan uh, at, on his pool table in, in woodstock. and i I got a little uh, he got a little sarcastic about it. and I, and we were all he was very sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I started seeing this coming on to me, and I I I left I left their their house. <laughs> wow! And <laughs> went back down the the hill to Albert's house. Albert, uh, Albert Grossman. Who, he was the manager. Right. I, I had become sure. a part of that stable, that family, that stable. Yeah. So needless to say, since I knew him for so many years after that, because we're all working under the same place, it, it, I became. The, Sort of party, party central for them when they, when they came to Toronto, right. which was often, and with the band and everybody, and we had a great time, and I, you know, uh, it, it was good to have,
3: know, have known Bob. Um, is it safe to say, because I've read this in different articles and so forth when I was reading up about you, um, that when you say you got together and had a good time, was there a period of your life where you had too much of a good time? Well, I mean, there was lots
5: of drinking went on. Yeah, there was a little bit of everything went on. It just depended upon how uh, how severely you were affected by it and what kind of a constitution that you possessed. Right. I I did. I I drank heavily right up until 1982, and then all of a sudden I stopped. Why? I stopped it for 23 years. Why?
1: Because it
5: was going to ruin my, my career and I was making un- unrational, irrational decisions. And one night I tried to climb from from one balcony to the next in an apartment building on the 10th floor.
3: Yeah, I get it, sure, and sure, there was sure.
5: a party going on. Well <laughs> oh, you wanted to go
3: for one party? Yeah. I love that. What was a better party in that other wing over there course, I tried all, to climb? It was all
5: the same. There was two I balconies. want to meet those folks. There was room for me to, to jump from the one balcony to the next did you make it yes I, well I've, I've said it i was here talking you are, well you, to you might have
3: fallen and broken your leg or something who knows
5: i, I was on the 10th floor I, I wouldn't be here you wouldn't be here things like that you know but now there and were... then there were other things that i did there were bad judgments you know and in, in, in you know with people and i felt that i was offending people sometimes and i, I did so last thing i wanted to do is offend anyone you know and uh, that's what I felt when I wrote to Fitzgerald. I, I said I hope I'm not going to offend any of the relatives of, of these men.
3: You know, it was, a, was you it know, ever this... communicated to you that you had? Did anybody suggest that? No,
5: no, no. Yeah. It, it it never they was. They appreciated it's, what it's you been did. Honored. We we yeah. we just went to the 40th anniversary ourselves just this last November. We, we where was it held? In Lake Superior, right. up in fifteen miles, thirty miles uh, northwest of Sault Ste. Marie at, at Whitefish Point. Wow.
3: Now, you you have had some very impactful health issues. You had a stroke, and then you had Bell's palsy, and you couldn't have... What's it like to lose feeling in your fingers and you are a guitar player?
5: Well, ask me what it was like when I had the aortal aneurysm.
3: Okay. What was it like when you had the aortal aneurysm?
5: (laughs) Well, it put me out out of business for two
3: years. Did it really? Yeah,
5: it put me out of business for two years. What year was that? 2002. What were the symptoms of that? You, you pass out and you don't wake up.
3: Oh, you mean you, literally, for, the aneurysm burst? For six weeks, yeah. What were you feeling in the weeks prior?
5: I, I would have uh, bouts of uh, uh, stomach ache and I'd have to lay out on my belly on the bed right, for a while. Yeah, then it would subside and that went on over a period of several years. And it started about 10 years before the actual event occurred. So it, it, there is a, a warning. There, is, there are warning signals. It's a pain. You get a pretty bad stomach ache. And, uh, and you had Bell's palsy subsides. as well? Yeah, that was years ago. That was nineteen. You were young, huh?
3: Yeah. 72, I think? Thereabouts, yeah.
5: yeah. I had to stop performing for three months, and then I got enough of a. where it stopped puffing enough that I was able to go back to work again. Really? So I just. Uh, I just uh, Boulder, boulder through, so to, so to speak. And then you had a stroke gradually went. came back. Th- that was a mini-stroke that affected my my right hand, which was very disturbing. That was in two, 2006. That was when I really started practicing, and that's when I really improved, learned how to really get my instruments in tune at the same time. So I
3: derived a benefit from, from that. Mm-hmm. How do American radio Interview hosts differ from Canadian radio interview hosts. Uh, no difference that I can see. No difference. To you thank the you. That's very are, Kind of you folks are folks. I,
5: I south of the border. We always we're, appreciate a kind we're, word, we're, all we're, we're all cousins. We're, we're all cousins here in North America. If that's the way You're I'm. not
3: political. That's now That's
5: probably why I never moved down there. I've, I've, I've I'm, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a political fan. I'm a fan of uh, of watching the p- political process. you an
3: observer. Well, you, you had the situation with the song in Detroit, Black Day in July. Yeah. From the Detroit riots. That's right. And you wrote a song about that, and, and it caused you a little bit of a grief.
5: And the record company
3: released a single. Did you, And did you feel that that was something that you resented? Or, like, how did you feel when you got pulled into that?
5: Well, I, 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 I kind of shouldn't have done that. It was almost like, Why? The, like the wreck. Well, well like, like it was... Uh, uh, Well, I should have. I was working in the city a lot in the the, the Detroit circuit. There, there was something, but I kept saying, maybe I shouldn't have written a song like this. You know, it was written as a folk song for an album. Right. Uh, The wreck of the Emma Fitzgerald was written as a folk song for an album, and uh, so political purposes assigned
3: by other people. You didn't have a political purpose when you wrote the song. No. Interesting. Just a story.
4: And the soul of Motor City is spared across the land As the book of law and order is taken in the hands Of the sons of the fathers who were carried to this land Black Day in July Black
3: Day in July And when, when the record company took the song off the air, so it didn't piss you off, it, the record companies never pissed you off? No. Never. No, When they, they were told great. you what songs to put on the album, what songs not to put on the album, it never bothered you. Well, we sort of we always worked that out together. You did. Yeah. Interesting. Uh,
5: with with exceptions, this was very early in the career too. Before I had had the the, the level of authority that I that I, I needed to establish, I, I was in house produced and I, and I, uh, I, I I used to uh, be able to discuss, discuss and discuss things with, with them there. And uh, very fortunate
3: fortunately to be able to do that. What song that, when you sing it, you could sit there and go, man, I really, really nailed it. That's a good song. Oh, I'm sure, okay. there's a lot and of them, but e- what's one that just comes e- out e- of you?
5: East of Midnight. East of Midnight. East of Midnight. East
3: of Midnight. That's, that's my, one of
5: my my very best ones. Put me
4: somewhere east Midnight West of the dirt park, Anywhere I want
5: I don't do that. I used to do it. with <laughs> the, no, no, do you know why I don't do it, though? What the, it's you because, are such because because a funny cat. Easter Midnight's I, my best I
0: song. Love, Man, I you love, gotta hear that. I don't, I don't do that but anymore I it, either. if
5: I did it for years. This is my hike. You can call it your life. My last four or five albums are probably the, two, the five best albums i I made. But unfortunately, my, my momentum had run out with the, uh, the record company at that point. Mm-hmm. But I still kept producing. But, because but, but, I,
3: but isn't that interesting? You just said, my last four or five albums the, are we're, the best the, albums I've ever Do I you made. really believe that? Sure. You do? Yeah. You recorded yes. those albums between
5: what period of time? 19, uh, 1982 and...
3: In 2006. So you recorded an album in 2006, right before you got sick. 1985. 1985. 2006. During
5: 19 years, I made five of the best albums. I finished an album while I was while I was down with the aneurysm. I finished an album there. I took my mind off my condition entirely. So it was very fortuitous that I had a whole bunch of stuff sitting in the uh, in the can at the time, as they used to say. And the best one of the whole lot is, is Easter Midnight. Do you write songs now? Uh, I, I could. I, I, I always have four, four or five tunes on the, on the
3: back burner. Your wife is practically groaning behind you, <laughs> nodding her head like, yes, of course. There, there's always tunes on the back burner.
5: It's
1: uh, beautiful what do you, songs.
3: What do you, what, when you write songs now, what do you write about? I, I just write, write if about. If you say jumping from one about, balcony to the other, whimsy. I'm going to kill you.
5: I, I, I just write write about whimsy. I, t- I try to sound sound intelligent, All right? Yeah. You know? What's on your mind now? Well, I was thinking about the but the one I, 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 that has the turtle in it. I like. That. I think she likes the fact that I introduce a turtle into this song. <laughs>
1: it's more than. Is that. Is that the part
3: that you like about it, darling?
5: You know, you know what loves, I'm seeing she here? She it's amazing. <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it's amazing. Your wife is this gorgeous young woman, and I realize the glue of this marriage is you write songs about turtles for your wife. It's amazing. No, no. It's, it's, it, that's I don't just have one, that advantage. That, that's just one, one scene. I've got to bullshit a, my wife every day and convince her into staying with me. <laughs> and you just sit there and go, I wrote this song for you, baby. And it I wrote a, a song turtle. about a turtle.
5: I know. I know. It, it's, it's like. Uh, Come, if you will, while the earth is still fertile. Lady, I see society through the eyes of a turtle. Turtles are soft, and they, they've they got feelings too. Maybe they think too quickly for me or for you, and it really doesn't matter.
3: We got to end there. Well, maybe, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Just to show you the kind of a stuff it is. Okay. Into the microphone,
5: Coming will back to the stable. Lady, I see Marilyn Monroe, and there stands Clark Gable. He'll milk the cow, she'll stop the show. There many a good hand, felt a chilly wind blow, and it doesn't really matter. Don't ask her, you know, why I write that stuff.
1: Yeah. Ask him about For Loving Me. That's a
5: Oh, I yeah, well, well, see, I I, I sang it for 25 years, but it's really a, a vicious, it's, very, it's just a very vicious... A song of a, a unrequited, quite a love song, and it, and it was it was written during the time when I was I was was still married, and I, I wondered, my goodness, what what does my I, it was like almost like Will Chamberlain. I've, I've had a hundred more like you. I'll have a thousand for him. Through was one of the lines in it, and I was married to someone, and I've, I you know I've, I hated singing the song, and finally I stopped singing it. The same way as i stopped drinking in 1982 but even that only lasted for 23 years then you sang it again
3: no you don't sing the song you won't sing
5: it a lot of people do
3: but other people record it even even
5: elvis elvis
3: presley (laughs) for loving me that's what you get for loving me i gotta say i look at these album covers you're, you're one of the best looking guys i've ever seen in my life i mean was that tough for you Was that a tough part of your career
5: it, well I, I you think it helped you? Probably. I'm, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure it did, but I'm sure sure it yeah. must
3: have. What's next? When are you going on the road again?
5: Uh, Friday morning. <laughs> I feel a little blue because
4: I can not so there's still a lot of things that I should know Anyone can get. I don't know how to press
3: my Saturday clue. I'm Alec Baldwin. Here's The Thing is brought to you by iHeartRadio.
4: I feel a little sad to watch them leave, but I'll be cool because I don't.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world.
6: com.